Welcome to SEO 101, your introductory course on search engine optimization. So, turn on your computers, open your minds, grab your mouse, and get ready to get back to the basics. SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm is now in session. Is now in session. Hello and welcome to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm, episode number 389. This is Ross Dunn, CEO of Step Forth Web Marketing, and my co-host is John Karka, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local. Wow, we're getting close to that 400. That's what I was just thinking. It's almost 400 episodes. That's just 11 years flies by. Yeah. Two <laughs> things wow. have happened in that time. Just a few. <laughs> Just a few. Just a handful. <laughs> well, now the kids are back to school here. I know they've been back to school in the States for a while. But, uh, well, there's some back to school already. That's what uh, I mean. They haven't. I think they go back late, late August, right? Yeah. Well, not all of them are back. It just depends on every, every state and, and even as close as every city um, has their own kind of rules and schedules. Mm -hmm. So some are back. Some won't go back for another week or so. Um, it's hard to tell with the COVID stuff if they're all going to have in class or a combination of in class and at home or just at home. It's just a big mess. Mm. Lovely. Lucky well, for me. Right? Yeah, but I was going to say also lucky for me, none of my kids are in school anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm not liking it too much, but it is what it is. But you're right. We do have new puppies to keep yes. us company and we don't have to worry about them going to school and your little one's called abigail and what type is she abigail she's a uh king charles spaniel 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 just king charles whatever <laughs> she's and of she course is, talk about mine already mine's holly and she's a beagle and yeah we both have puppies and we're both going through that fun so yeah and we need to have a puppy we need to have a puppy <laughs> we need to schedule a puppy play date in like vegas <laughs> yeah, 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 that'd be interesting. Well, you'll yeah. definitely hear my dog in the background. She's not liking that I'm not near, nearby, not nearby. So, uh, yes. All right. Well, let's start off with some uh, SEO news about the Core Web Vitals. Now, nice. this is uh, nothing earth breaking, but um, we've talked before about Google's uh, Core Web Vitals and how they are just another way they're assessing websites. Um, it is, Gary Eish did say that it is not something that's part of the Google algorithm yet um, in terms of rankings. That's not- they have, told, they have told us they give us six months notice before they make it an actual piece of the algorithm and it's not supposed to come until next year sometime. So we have time, like, like you said, it's not urgent. No, and I think it'll take, yeah. It'll be a very slow rollout because it's pretty technical for many, like uh, largest oh, yeah. paints, first input delays, cumulative layout shifts. I mean, this is all like gobbledygook, right? Right, he's had a hard time just explaining what a website, how it works to a client, never mind that. Do you, so. do you think this is more technical than the mobile, the mobile first stuff or mobile friendly stuff? Because mobile friendly, a lot of places had just completely redesigned their websites. Yeah. Um, this piece, I don't think you have to completely redesign your website, but in some cases you may. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see all the tools that come out to try and help you with this, um, mm -hmm. or at least ones that are, are GT metrics. I imagine we'll have some updates to 
show a little yeah. more about this if they haven't already. At the very least, they probably have the data, but they'll probably try and frame it so that it makes sense for those who are just looking at Core Web Vitals. Yeah, Google's already updated some tools, like the Lighthouse tools already updated for Core Web Vitals. However, right. I think once they get closer to launching and they have more, you know, solve, they've solved some of the problems that I'm sure they're gonna run into, I think that that stuff will change even inside of things like Lighthouse, right? So if you're looking for tools right now to help you with it, I don't know if even Lighthouse is gonna be accurate, you know, when it's time to launch. Lighthouse will change as they change things. But if you based your work to fix, you know, prepare your site for Core Web Vitals on today's Lighthouse updates for Core Web Vitals, I think you're going to have to change stuff before it launches. Yeah, and those who are listening don't know what Lighthouse is, so fair enough. Um, it's uh, actually built into Chrome and it allows you to test your websites using their. I don't know what you would call it, but Lighthouse Protocol. I have no idea. Um, yeah. It's a tool, though. We use it a, we use it a lot because it's an easy tool to give to the developers. Yeah, and it's very detailed. I mean, guys, way above me. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, there's a lot of data there. Um, just like GT Metrics, all these things have a ton of content that really is meant for, at a certain level, meant for the designers and the coders. Yeah. Um, but it's very valuable stuff. Well, and even Core Web Vitals, there still might be people that are not real clear on what that is. So right now, we have a few things that we look at that are going to be incorporated into Core Web Vitals, like whether your site's mobile friendly, whether you have a safe browsing experience, HTTPS, and the interstitial issues if you're dealing with those. Those are all going to be wrapped in the... the uh, framework of core web vitals but they're also adding a few new things um loading which is basically like you just said um the uh the largest content paint um if you're not a developer paint is when something loads into your browser and it loads at different levels and different layers um that's going to be looked at at core web vitals the visual uh, yeah the visual aspect yeah, like what loads first and when it's completed that kind of stuff yeah. uh, uh, interactivity um, when can a user first put in have input into the web page, like clicking a button or clicking a link or filling out a form? You know, when does that first available to them? And visual stability. Um, this one is hard. It's not hard to, well, it can be hard to explain, but I'm pretty sure most everybody's experienced this. When you go to a web page and you're reading, especially on a mobile device, and you're reading something and there's an ad or something that opens or closes like uh, above the screen and it moves the content you're reading as you're reading it, that's visual stability. And they, they call it a cumulative layout shift. That's a problem. If, you're, if your content is moving while people are trying to read it, that's going to be part of this core web vitals. Is So you want to make sure that you're not having that issue on your website. So. That alone should get a site banned. <laughs> too much I yeah. hate it. <laughs> I hate exactly. I hate uh, that too. Uh, all right. Well, it, it is interesting. Um, here's the quote oh. from Gary. It says, like any other search engine, Google works hard to surface the highest quality and most relevant results for users' queries. Core Web Vitals has nothing to do with either of those, not even remotely. So it's extremely unlikely that Core Web Vitals would ever become the primary factor for organic traffic. So you know what the most important word in that entire quote is? Extremely unlikely. No. <laughs> mm -hmm. The. 
unlikely core web vitals will become the primary yeah. ranking factors. They're not saying it's not going to be a ranking factor. They're not saying it's going to be not going to be a primary ranking factor. It's not going to be the primary ranking factor. Yeah. Content links are still going to hold Even ends it with saying, that's not to say you could ignore core web vitals though. Exactly. <laughs> so ah. we, know there's, we know there's hundreds of factors in the algorithms, right? Just the fact that Gary's saying that there's primary ones versus non-primary ones is extremely interesting to me. I would love to see a list of the primary ranking factors versus the other ones. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I'd be surprised if that list was longer than content and links. <laughs> Maybe well, something tied to crawlability. Um, but that's not really a ranking factor. That's an access factor, right? Yeah, well, and Gary even responded to someone who called him on that um, the primary factor bit and said, we announced it will become a ranking factor. That's known. I merely root out the possibility of it becoming the primary ranking factor. Whatever it will be eventually in between is not known, and I'm not going to speculate about it. <laughs> exactly. So just keep Google. an eye on it. Yeah, keep an eye on it. I think things will become clearer as we get closer to them actually including it after their six months notification is I wouldn't even think about it really until then. All right. What's next here? Um, let me switch back to the page. Um, so there was a, if, if you're, if you follow local search and you, and you have local search um, clients or sites of your own that you work on last week, sometime you probably saw a couple days where the rankings shifted dramatically. Either you've lost rankings or you've gained rankings, and then it all switched back a couple days later. Um, we still don't know why. <laughs> but you're not by, if you saw that and you're wondering what the heck happened to my site, it wasn't just your site. Um, that was Google. Something happened at Google. They might have been testing something. Uh, they might have had a glitch or a bug that they fixed real quick without letting us know, but it wasn't just you. So if you, if you saw that and you're like, what did I do? And you're spending a ton of time trying to figure out what happened. You got more productive things you can do because that wasn't you. It was Google. You know, the funny thing is um, that was September 10th that that was noted um, today. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and then last show, we talked about one that happened on August 10th, um, an index oh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> and interesting. That, yeah said, uh, it must be coincidence, but he says, it was John, I, I'll still read, I love reading this, it's just so funny. Um, Russ, um, Barry Schwartz asked about this. He says, I don't have all the details yet, but it seems like there's a glitch on our side and has been fixed in the meantime. If someone could fix the other 2020 issues, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Exactly. Um, yeah. Speaking so, of the August glitch, um, someone had posted a thread in Webmaster World talking about after the August glitch was fixed, they saw that all their Google Discover traffic in the US um, disappeared, back to basically down to zero. And that made me think that, that I don't know if you and I have had a really in-depth discussion about Discover or even a semi-in-depth discussion about Discover traffic and how it relates to SEO. Do you remember us talking about that? I think we've talked in, in certain nips and bites but i mean most of it mostly i think we haven't because it's it's definitely more relevant to you 
in, yeah. in, in the news market. Um, it, but uh, I love using it. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I've never used it actually. Oh, yeah. It's not. It's not oh, a what? default. I've got the default version of Google Discover on an Apple phone. Is Apple News, right? Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, I should have put this in our notes. Apple, there's serious, serious rumors going around about Apple starting a new search engine. Yes. Basically, so they can get rid of Google off of their devices, right? Google pays like $5 billion a year for that. And everybody's saying, oh, they'll never give that up. But they don't need cash at all. They've got way more than that just sitting in the bank, yeah. right? So they, I think, it sounds like they're going to do their own search engine specifically. So it'll be the primary on Apple devices. And we know how much of search has moved to mobile devices, both phones and tablets, not tablets as much as phones, but it could be a very, very interesting play for them. And just this morning, I read about some, some Apple um, patents being granted in the search space. Hmm. So, so they could get into a patent war with Google as well at the same time. This is going to be something really, really interesting to watch because if Google does or Apple does launch a search engine tied to mobile devices and mobile search, it's, it's, it could change a lot of what we do as SEOs on a day-to-day -day basis. I've wanted, depending, I've wanted a depending. competitor for Google for a long time, but oh, not Apple, please. <laughs> well, Microsoft sure as hell couldn't do it. They tried. <laughs> They did try. They got a small percentage, and they actually yeah. haven't done a bad job of it. I'm, I'm, I'm fairly impressed with Bing. It's just not Google. Yeah, exactly. And and if Mike, if Microsoft can't do it with that much time and that much talent, I really wonder about I, Apple. I don't know if Microsoft keeps all the talent they used to have. I think a lot of it went to Google. There's a lot more competition for the Microsoft talent than when Microsoft was just an operating system, right? because you've got Amazon, you've got Facebook, you've got all these social platforms and the talent is being widely distributed now where, where Microsoft used to have the lion's share. I don't think they do anymore. Hmm. Yeah, well, no, I, I would say Google has uh, the lion's know. share if we can call it that. I don't even that. know if Google has the lion's share anymore. Really? I would. Yeah. I would think so. I, I think Alphabet does because of a lot of their other oh, projects, but okay, Google by Alphabet. itself, no, yeah. yeah. That's definitely what I was thinking, more of the overarching business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I could agree with that. Anyway, um, yeah, but Google Discover's, Discover, pretty interesting yeah. from, from your standpoint, it's huge. Well, the, the reason that I think SEOs need to be aware and kind of keep an eye on it is because it's – it's included in Search Console, right? You have to go, it's separate. So if you go into Search Console and try to see, okay, how much traffic did I get? It's Google Discover is separate. So you look and you say you've driven 100,000 um, impressions and 10,000 clicks in your standard um, performance report. If you go into Google Discover, you may find additional impressions and clicks that were not included in that performance that you mm -hmm. need to take into consideration, especially if you are reporting on this to clients. It, it helps you um, by showing that, hey, I'm looking at everything and B, your traffic's higher than we thought it was because you got a bunch of Google Discover traffic as well, right? Uh, yeah. and I may have told this story, but we had a post that really went nuts. 
and literally hundreds of thousands of clicks in a single day. And we could not figure out, because I, I looked at Search Console uh, and it was shown in the search that it, it wasn't getting anywhere near hundreds of thousands of clicks. It, was, it got like maybe 100,000 clicks in, in there. But then when I went and looked at Discover, it was, it exploded in Discover. And uh -huh. so what that told me was A, our site was really, really relevant. That post was really, really relevant for that particular uh, topic. Um, but that relevancy was not picked up in organic search nearly as much as it was picked up in Discover. And would you say that a big driver, driving factor for being shown in Discover would be the mixture of structured markup and AMP? Um, or what, you know, I don't know a so, lot about so what gets I, in there. I, I don't know if structured markup um, plays anything in Discover. I, I'd have to look into that some. Um, are the pages that show up for Dis in Discover for us are our AMP pages. So yeah. I would, well, so it makes sense, right? People are on mobile yeah. and they use Discover and they'd want a faster experience and Google would want to deliver that too. Exactly. But I wonder um, if, you, I think they've said recently that it doesn't matter anymore. The interesting thing about Discover from an SEO standpoint, other than doing some technical stuff like AMP um, and maybe some schema, I don't know if that has an impact at this point or not. But other than that, there's no real way to optimize it, right? So we don't, because there's no search involved in Discover. So you can't go, you can do keyword research and you can write it you know, if you optimize it as if it's going to organic search, you definitely want to do that. But there's nothing that you change specific for Discover that I'm aware of hmm. because, because there's no search involved. I mean, with Google Discover, if you're not familiar with Google Discover, Google Discover is a default in Android devices to show you content that you would be interested in. So they look, they look at you, your activity, your history, um, the things that you interact with, all that kind of stuff on a mobile device uh, that they have access to. And they use that to decide to show you um, content that they think you're going to be interested in. Yeah, you use it a lot. Is. I was, I was going to say, you use it a lot. Is it, does it do a good job of that? Yeah, it does. I enjoy it. Yeah. I, I, um, when I'm distracted, which is never, um, I use it all the time. <laughs> I wish. Anyway, yeah, I, I go I, and, and on, on your Android phone. I mean, I know every Android phone is different, but I mean, essentially to get to it online, at least I just scroll or I swipe right on the very last screen. It's on the left. Um, or you can replace the Bixby if you've got your Samsung with a plug-in for it. Right. Uh, Bixby is garbage. Um, but yeah, anyway. I, I do believe they have a Google Discover app for um, iOS devices. Oh yeah, um, definitely. But I've never downloaded it or installed it. You should, it. man, it's really neat. I, I'm, I'm quite impressed with it. And um, it does connect with everything else, of course. They know everything about us. Um, I, sh I should for no other reason to see how our content performs, but I would never yeah. use it on my own. Surprised right? you haven't. Yeah, I'm surprised I haven't either. But <laughs> <laughs> um, or at least on if you've got an Android tablet even to do on that. You'll get an idea too. The tablets are a little bit of a different experience, but same concept. Yeah. All right. So that was Google Discover. Um, huh. Now this one's another one you posted. I'm not familiar with this. So, so um, there was an interesting, actually Barry wrote an article over on Search Engine Land 
uh, talking, he, he was talking to John Miller um, on one of the, um, those webmaster hangouts he does. And it came up that over a year ago, Google said that uh, content that was impacted by a core update um, might not recover um, and so, some improvements have been made um, until the next broad core update is released. So if you got say a year or so ago, Google said, if you get hit by a core update um, and you make a bunch of changes to fix it, those you might not see any um, kind of a, um, fix in or improvements until they do another broad core update. So it's kind of like the old um, mm -hmm. Google dances, right? Where you you get a Google dance and they release the new algorithm, then you go make a bunch of changes, but you don't know what happens until they release the new algorithm. Well, just like with the Google algorithm updates, they have changed that as of last Friday's hangout with John Mueller. Um, here's a quote. He said, it's, it's not something that requires um, a site to kind of wait for the next update to have a chance to be seen differently. They can continue working on things and things can improve over time. Um, it is possible that the next core update will make a bigger change in the same direction that you've been working and you'll see a bigger change in your performance as well. So th what, they're ba what he's basically saying is no more core update dance, right? So it, it seems like it's going to be rolling just like the regular algorithms do or have been for years now. Hmm. So it, so it's the opposite of what you're saying. It actually won't be, you won't have to wait for the new core update soon. Oh, is, did I say, did I say the opposite? That's what I meant. You're right. You don't have to. It's, it's a rolling update. So it rolls as, as they make changes, it, it's automatically applied as opposed to having to wait into the next push. Well, that's good. I don't know. Yes, I don't see, I haven't actually, wait a minute, I have to admit, I haven't actually put the old clock on to see how quickly changes appear online. So I'll have to ask Scott a little more about that. He's probably more familiar. See, but. Yeah, somebody who is getting impacted by the core updates is going to find this much more useful than someone like you and I who see minimal update, minimal impact from core updates. Yeah. Um, at, so far. But I would now, love to know just how quickly stuff gets into results i know they get in the index quickly but do they get in the results like how quickly we'll see stuff and i haven't it's been years since i've even worried about that because again we're not that concerned about it anymore right but, uh, i wonder you know google's just how quickly it is i know again index quickly but rankings is another thing entirely well let's take a quick break when we come back we'll talk a little local seo news from the other files and get to some questions seo 101 will be back right after recess Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs sends you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. 
Ready to do a podcast for your business? Make that podcast elevate to enterprise level. Let WebmasterRadio.fm expedite and execute your podcast to build your brand and broaden your customer base. WebmasterRadio.fm has worked with the world's biggest tech brands, Google, Yahoo, and Bing, and have worked with fast-growing brands like ShipStation and GoDaddy. Now it's your turn. Contact brasco at wmr.fm and rush your enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Okay, class, take your seats and no talking. Recess is over and SEO 101 is back in session. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to SEO 101 on webmasterradio.fm. Hosted by John Carcutt, the director of SEO for Advanced Local, and myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, Inc. Okay, so in the local SEO, local SEO news, we actually had a little bit earlier on about this, but or about local, but... Uh, this is just an interesting little topic that was on the local search form. I thought it was interesting because it brings up a topic that comes up often. Someone is asking, in this case, they're rebranding a local spa. And they want to know, should they just use the brand name .com and they're buying their domain or brand name spa.com? Um, now, there have been different camps on this over the years. Um, many feel that if it's a very, very original brand name, then you can probably just go get away with just, you know, may even look better just having, like, for example, Sony.com, you know, because you've made a good brand out of it. Spas are unlikely to get that kind of, of appeal so quickly. And, and, and there's a certain benefit to ensuring that you don't get mixed up with other brands that may have a similar name. So as I think most people said in the reply, and I agree, um, if you can do it, make it brandspa.com. So brandnamespa.com. That way, it's absolute clarity when you see that domain. Again, it's a very small point, but I, I see it brought up a lot. A lot of people worry, you know, or wonder if it's going to make a big improvement in rankings. Um, within the organic, no. Um, Joy said that uh, she felt that it has some impact in local. Um, I'm not sure if she really meant it from in terms of uh, or, uh, algorithmic ranking perspective, so much as clarity of what you're offering. Um, I haven't heard that it makes a big difference at all or any difference in local, but um, she's more cutting edge than I am on that area, actually. Um, well, I'd actually throw in a little bit. I'd go a little one step further, right? If your brand by itself doesn't give the uh, reader, user, customer an idea of what you do, in today's mm -hmm. market, you should add spa to your brand, not just your domain. Then, mm -hmm. you know, then you include spa in your domain name and it fits with the rest of your branding. It fits with everything. Plus it gives you any potential advantage from inbound links that use your brand name that also now includes the word spa. 
hundred percent agree. Yeah. Yeah. I always, always include your key term in your business name. If you can, if you, you know, especially in local, I mean, yeah. again, it doesn't always work out. You know, I've, I've seen instances where, you know, getting to understand what the client really wanted, the owner, that really wouldn't have worked for them. But it is not something I would suggest you give up on too quickly. Because it That's is powerful. Since they are rebranding for a local spa, they have the opportunity to add that to their brand, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if it's just a, if it's just an SEO customer that comes in and say, hey, we're switching domains, but they're not rebranding, then it's going to be a harder sell for you as an SEO to tell the customer, well, why don't you add spa to your entire brand and redo all your business cards and the signage on your building and everything, you know, if they're not wanting to do that initially. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and the positive note is if you do it, um, it's, there's a definite 100% impact. Um, like there's no doubt whatsoever is what I'm getting at that it has an impact on local SEO rankings. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's overwhelmingly skewed. Google's had that chink in his armor for a long time um, mm -hmm. in, in local SEO. So might as well take advantage of it if you can um, ethically. Why not? Until they fix the chink. Yeah, whenever. Which Probably will be the day working. after you They'll fix the chink the day after you launch your new branded site. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so yeah. make sure you've got a good name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, now for some Mueller files. Uh, we've, again, had a little bit about Mueller before, but uh, John Mueller has been named the Global Search Personality of the Year, which uh, is well-deserved. Uh, we all have heard a lot about uh, John, especially from this show. Um, this is from the uh, Global Search Awards 2020. Um, I don't, neither, neither John or I really follow this stuff. Uh, yeah. But um, it, it is, uh, I think, the main uh, awards of the year for the SEO industry. So good for him. Yeah, he certainly Very deserves good. it. I, it, it. I always have to cringe a little bit when I'm on some of these private groups and Facebook and other places where they start bitching about John and calling him, you know, saying every word that comes out of his mouth is a lie and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. I'm like, I just have to it. cringe and hold my, bite my tongue. And yep. maybe one of these days I will not bite my tongue and get myself in trouble. Well, we have Facebook for that, right? That's, that's exactly true. <laughs> I'm always getting in trouble there. Yeah. Mostly I don't know it, but I'm sure I am. Um, I'll find out about it later. Okay, so this next piece about the no snippet, tell us. Yeah, so this is kind of interesting. I think it's it's basic, um, but it's important to understand. So a gentleman named Alan from Texas um, asked John a question on Twitter. He said, if I no snippet an entire page, and no snippet, by the way, is a meta tag that you can put in the header of a page um, uh, to, to give some directions to the search engines, right? So Alan asks, if I know snippet an entire page that is indexed, will it be blocked from appearing in site links or other pages on the same domain? Um, he gives the site's name, you know, uh, johnsdesk.com we'll call it, um, has, you know, desks as a site link for its branded SERP. If I know snippet that page, will it still show as a site link? And it's a little bit complicated question, but I think the answer John gave was really straightforward and simple. He said, no, no <laughs> snippet, no snippet is just to prevent text from the page 
from being used as a snippet, right? So um, you can, um, let me read the rest of it. The page and title may still be shown, usually for site links. The problems I've seen come from the site structure that can be improved, internal linking, you put in quote parentheses. So basically, um, how you use the site link is really clear in this post, right? Now there's there's multiple types of, or not site, but site links, no snippet, I apologize. There's different types of no snippets. You can assign a no snippet specifically. You can say, I do not want the no snippet from DMOS being used on my page, right? So they used to pull um, descriptions of a page from your DMOS listing. Well, they, and you could tell them, I don't want you using that because I didn't write it. And you put the no snippet in. I don't For those listening, DMOS was the open directory project a while ago. Yeah, now, do, do they still use DMOS at all? I don't think they've used I, that I in a couple of so. years. Yeah, but there's other places that you can add that. Like, I think you can do a no snippet for Wikipedia. Um, but this is, if you just do no snippet, you know, a lot of times Google will take text from your page to write the description because they don't agree that the description you wrote matches the content of the page. Um, and they do that with the title occasionally too, but the no snippet um, in the header, you can tell them do not use content from my page, use the description I wrote. And a lot of people, have, I've seen questions, you know, the past year or two saying, why is Google changing my meta description? You know, that's not what I wrote. Why are they changing it? Well, they change it because they don't think it matches the content of the page. If you say, I don't care, this is what I want to be, then you can put the no snippet in there and I can't 100% guarantee they will use your description. They may just not put a description if they can't use it from the page or they may find it from somewhere else. Um, but that's one way to keep them from using the content that's on your page to being used as your snippet. Yeah. Um, it also means that it won't show a cached link in the search results. There you uh, go. So that's something else that'll do. Okay, so we have some questions here. Um, first one is from Matthew Plale. Thank you for posting this. I missed it a couple of weeks ago, so thank you. Uh, but let's uh, jump into this right away. It says, I have a newish website, about four months old, with only around 10,000 words of content. So I'm not expecting much of anything. But the discrepancy between Google Search Console and Bing makes me wonder if I have Google or set, uh, Search Console or Analytics set up incorrectly. In Google Search Console, the last 28 days, there's a whopping two impressions. Bing, on the other hand, Bing, this is Bing's webmaster tools uh, for listeners, um, on the same period shows 78 impressions. Google Search Console shows zero errors. Pages are indexed. Google Search with site modifier shows the pages. Generally, I'm hedging towards Google Sandbox and Bing algorithm differences. So he's wondering, I get no question specifically, but I guess he's wondering, what do we think? Um, is it the sandbox or just Bing algorithm differences? Um, if he's well, talking about Bing, I mean, he hasn't put a, a tag on his page in analytics. Well, that's Google Search Console. He's talking about that. So, so to me, we're comparing apples to oranges here, right? Mm. Um, depending on the, the niche you're sites are in, um, Bing does better for some niches than Google does. So people search Bing more for those niches than they do Google. And um, I don't, I don't want to use the example in my head because I don't think your site is a porn site, but if it is, <laughs> Bing gets a lot more porn search than Google does apparently. 
Um, so something like that could be happening where just it, it, Bing has more search in that area um, than Google does. That's one possibility. Um, you haven't mentioned that he's, he doesn't mention that he looked at Google Analytics. He does say it's set up. He might be, it might be set up incorrectly. But you have to look at that, see whether or not you saw um, uh -huh. different traffic from each of these places. I don't well, know. Well, I'd like to see the comparison between his search console two impressions versus his analytics impressions. Mm -hmm. you know, instead of going Bing to Google, go Google to Google and see what the difference is. Mm -hmm. All right, well, Matthew, good, good luck. I mean, it is difficult. You don't and, have a lot of impressions to work from. Even 78 is not that many, so. Yeah, um, and the sandbox, there's, as far as the sandbox goes, what's your opinion? There's, there's, there's different opinions on the sandbox. Some SEOs in the space, even long-term experienced SEOs, say the sandbox doesn't exist. Um, be, but I've seen personally sites that rank well, then disappear and then come back again six months later. Well, would, how would you describe the sandbox to our listeners? Uh, see, that's yeah. it. I don't believe there is one, so there's nothing to describe. But what, <laughs> but what other people say is the sandbox is for the first X number of, you know, X amount of time. And there's no, nobody's ever said there's a specific amount of time, but because it changes based on who you're talking to for a certain amount of time, Bing will not rank your website, even though it could rank, but they want to know more about it. They want to build history behind it. They want to understand it better before they actually put it in the search result pages. So people call that the sandbox. Um, yeah, essentially they're, they're preventing new websites from ranking. Um, yeah. uh, just, you know, then they, it's a, it's a filter of sorts, um, just yeah. until they get to know them better and make sure they're not spam. And I'm not sure that actually happens. I, I personally believe it's not specifically a sandbox that does that. I personally believe that when a, when a site is first found, the first time it's ever been found, because it's a new site, um, the different layers of the algorithms take different amounts of time to fully impact. So let's say that the first thing that is um, included is the content and the relevancy of your of your pages. You might show you might have okay tons of really great relevant content that as soon as you launch your site is showing up in search results because it's really good content. But that's the only thing Google is looking at is relevancy. Then a few weeks later, they apply the authority piece of the algorithm to your site, and since mm -hmm. it's brand new, it has no authority. It drops back out. And then it takes months to build up some authority, so you get back in the index. That's that's what I think it is. I don't think it's a an actual program programmed. You know, Google says for brand new sites, we're going to keep them out of the index for X amount of time. I don't think they would do that. I think it's just a different layers of the algorithm being applied at different times. Yeah, I think when I hear it now, I think of it as a, sort of an ethereal explanation for I've dropped out of search, or I'm not. I'm just not appearing. Or a um, new site dropped out of It's just a lack of insight and just, this is just a way to describe it. Yeah, just, just to be clear though, new for sites new is where this is really, yeah. where you see this. If you've had a site for a couple of years and all of a sudden it drops out of search, it's not the sandbox. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that only applies to brand new sites. Yeah. Okay, uh, next question is from Lori Martin. She says, uh, uh, thank you for your compliments. So let's skip over a minute because we are tight on time here. She says, um, 
in the pod, podcast I heard, mentioned there, you mentioned an upcoming paid Google My Business listing. I've heard whispers about this. So if a business has a Google My Business listing, do you think they will lose traction and have to pay to play? So uh, it is very speculative at this point. Um, yeah, there's going to be a payment for uh, people who are already in the Google, um, let me get this wrong, it's essentially the Google Guarantee program. They have the option to pay more. Um, but at this stage, it's more of a step towards potentially having a paid Google My Business listing. Uh, it's highly speculative. speculative. But um, will you lose traction and have to pay to play? If they went that way, then I would expect they'd apply the same algorithmic concept, which is that you know, if you're more relevant, you'll show up um, at the top, no matter what. Um, if you are paying, um, maybe they'll do something like Google Ads, where there's a section where it's shown to be paid. But how different is that from anything else? And there's just too many things to talk about here. It's a great question, yeah. but I just don't have anything to really work with. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we have no idea what they're going to do with that. I think there's two primary possibilities in my mind. Of One, um, I don't think that they're ever going to get rid of free Google My Business listings. No. So pay to play, is it? you can still play without paying, but if you pay, you get advantages, right? That someone who doesn't pay doesn't get, like the ability to um, take reservations in your on Google system, um, get some kind of indicator on listing that you're special somehow, um, you know, Google guaranteed or whatever that is. You know, I think there's, there's gonna be a differentiation between free listings and paid listings. And then the other thing that I think you just said, the other option that you said, Ross, is they just have a special section on the page for paid listings at the top. Um, Honestly, I believe it's going to be the former rather than the latter. Mm -hmm. But again, we have no clue. Yeah, it would make sense. You can add features and those yeah. features would make your listing show a little more. Um, and I hope they have, it's not willy nilly that, you know, any company whatsoever can do it. You know, that they've had to have an established listing, um, maybe have gone through some sort of qualification or approval. Mm -hmm to confirm that they're a, a true business in that location. Because um, there's too much crap out there. We don't want them getting involved. And I think that's where they're gonna fall short though. I don't think they're gonna yeah. put as much attention to what you're talking about than they are about how can we make money off this and how can we sell more of these. <laughs> what, Google? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're gonna go for volume over quality on this one, I think when it comes to getting a paycheck. All right, so the last question here is from Mike Turner. It says, hi, I've been approached by a company wanting to guest, to guest post on my site. The company, thinking he provides a link, is thinking that extra well-written content might be okay for my visitors. Do you think it could damage my SEO? Thanks in advance. Uh, so damage your SEO, I mean, if it's relevant, no. Um, I mean, it, there's always a sense or buts, but in this case, I'd say no, it's not gonna damage you. Um, it has to be high quality. I assume that's something you already would expect. Um, if you have any control over the topic they write about, fantastic. Um, I, the only thing I have, like we get a lot of requests for guest posting on Stepworth. I ignore them all because um, I would rather have a quiet website than one that's full of content from other companies. It just doesn't look right. 
Um, that's my own, it may be completely wrong, but that's how I approach it. I would rather have our own content. You know, we put in show notes in the podcast, that kind of stuff. And that's something that keeps it busy. Um, but if, if you're relying on other people's content to make your blog worthwhile, what's it doing there? Um, yeah, plus, I would make sure that you put um, no follow condoms and all the links on that in that <laughs> content. And as soon as you tell them they're gonna that you're gonna put no follows on that link, they may not want to post on your site to begin with. No, they probably won't. In fact, yeah. I almost guarantee they won't. Yeah, uh, they just want the links. And in those situations, that's not so good. You don't want it sort of be tied to them. Um, yeah, and so. if they're just doing it because they want links, they're not doing it to help your visitors. No. And 99.9% of them are doing it just to help themselves, which yep. makes sense to a degree, but uh, yeah, keep that in and, mind. And, and, and it'd be interesting to know how much they're asking for, or they, they're doing it for free. It's definitely a link building thing. If they're wanting to get paid for guest posts, which happens occasionally, um, if they're really good authors, sometimes it's worth it. Oh yeah. Um, if the, if they're different. in your space, um, but otherwise, also think about, okay, how much are they charging? Can I hire somebody else at a lower price um, if I just want content? You know, if I'm just looking for more content, um, I can hire other people at lower costs, or do I want really super high quality and being associated with whoever this guest poster is, is something you need to take into consideration. Good point. Well, on behalf of myself, Ross Dunn, CEO of Stepforth Web Marketing, and John Carcutt, the Director of SEO for Advanced Local, thank you for joining us today. Have a great week, and remember to tune in to future episodes, which air at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, every Monday on webmasterradio.fm. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.